0: let's talk about Nehemiah some of you some of you are raising little boys and you might want to know how do we raise a little boy what does it mean to be a man and after 9 11 it seemed like we didn't know what to do with ourselves and how to raise our children anymore what does it mean to be a man does it mean that we don't cry you'll hear you'll hear people say that to boys yeah you're a man we don't cry you know don't cry be a man toughen up or does it mean that you live as perpetual adolescence which an awful lot of men think it does. Where we're always playing never serious, we leave that to the women. Does it mean that we live as bullies? Does it mean that we live as jerks? Does it mean that we're we're diseased somehow being men, and we should be women instead? Well, the world will always, when you wonder things, have ideas for you. And they'll step up and say, well, here's some suggestions about how men should behave and what you should buy and what your attitude should be. But what if we took our cue from a man who pleased God and said, all right, God liked the kind of man he was, let's be like him. Of course, the obvious one there is Jesus. Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He said that twice, broke heaven and earth, broke that mythical space between us to, uh, to open it up and say, no, you listen to him. This is the one I love. But there were other men in scripture that, that God loved and said, watch how they behave. A man once said, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Nehemiah was one such man his heart was broken by the things that broke God's heart it's been traditional in fact some of you might even have been wondering uh, every time when I was a boy they'd talk, they would they talk about Nehemiah we knew there was a building program about to start because he built walls and therefore we had to use him every time we wanted to add on to the building or build a bigger building or the like now that's not what he is others I've seen him be used as a business model or as a leadership model. And you could get good bets out of there as well. I've seen him used as this, that, or the other, but I, I prefer to look at him as this is what a man looks like. And I want to show you why. By the way, we've talked quite a bit here about women and our value of women and their freedom here in in our worship and in our leadership and the like. And uh, that's great. But I also want to tell you something. Being a guy is kind of interesting. It's an interesting thing, especially in our modern world. Men are often ridiculed in commercials. We're the dumb one. In sitcoms, we're the stupid one. The kids even have to straighten us out. Our pastimes are considered dangerous and distasteful. Hunting, oh, that's mean to animals, they say as they eat their chicken. <laughs> the, uh, uh, shooting, oh, no, no, you know, guns and knives and pointy bits, that's awful. No, 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 can't have those. And we don't like a lot of the things boys, even sports. There's, there's currently a war against the NFL, and not just by wives. No, uh, there are people saying, oh, no, it hurts people too much. And I'm thinking, they're volunteers. Uh, it, it's rather like, you know, people the bungee cord off of bridges. I don't see it, but hey, if you trust Zeke and his measurement <laughs> and his math and physics ability, jump. If he gets it wrong, tell Jesus we'll be along later. Young boys are often forced into learning situations that are designed for girls. A lot of our education model is designed around girls. Sit in rows, listen in community. That's not the way boys learn. Boys learn by doing. Poke a finger in a socket, boom, got it. (laughs) We're not stupid, that's just how we learn we learn by doing by acting out by moving about and in schools we don't have room or time for such things and so we we medicate them we say they're sick in fact if you read and there is such a thing as ADHD and there is such a thing as ADD and there are those those um, those conditions whether you wanna call them diseases or the like there, there are conditions however It is sad for somebody like me who has actually had to read the DSM-5, which is a diagnostic manual. If you look at, here are the symptoms, most of them are signs that you're a boy. (laughs) We don't know how to handle boys. Christine Summers wrote a book 25 years ago, The War Against Boys. And it had only gotten started. Some men respond to this by, frankly, acting like jerks. That's not the way to do it. They become hyper-male, self-focused, aggressive. Others go to the other esteem and become passive and go watch romantic comedies and talk about their feelings. That's not right either. (laughs) And I'm sorry I made you cry, but it's wrong. Now, Why have we allowed it to go on for so long? Well, that's the thing, men have power. And when you have power, you're allowed to make fun of power. But power under control is a good thing. Power's not bad, as long as it's used in the right way. I um, saw a car advertised this week that has 705 horsepower. And I have to drive at 45 miles an hour to get up here from my, and I'm going, what's the point? But I'm told, well, if you ever need to pass somebody. Like, like, like Thailand? Uh, <laughs> what? Power, though, we all like power. It's, it, it can be, it's, it, it's a useful thing. It's a good thing. When men bring their power before God and allow the Lord to control its use, great things happen. And in case you'd forgotten what God's man looks like, it's time to talk about Nehemiah. He is first and foremost concerned about the things of god gentlemen what consumes your thoughts oh i know we have all kinds of thoughts when we were first married my wife would say every so often because i'd just sit there looking off somewhere and she'd go i wish i knew what you were thinking i go no you don't (laughs) if women knew what we were thinking they'd never stop slapping us we know that But our, our drives and our passions should be, what, is, what are the drives and passions of God? What does God want done today? Don't ask God to open doors. The doors are open. Don't ask God to show you his will. He's already shown you his will. Jesus even said it. He has shown you what is good and perfect. Quoting Micah, you know what to do. So what do we do? We look and see whatever God's story is that day, and we get in it. We join in it. He was concerned about the passion and the the needs and the thoughts of God. But before action, he prayed. Chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king. And he goes on from there, and that's not the point I want to make. My point I want to make is, the king asked him a direct question, what is bothering you? And before he answered, he prayed. Now, I have no idea if they still do this. In 79 and 80, I served a, an American military uh, church, a Navy church in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, this is right before Cammy and I went back uh, home to Scotland. And as I, as I worked with them, one of the men had, had become an officer. Uh, in the Navy. He'd been a, a petty officer, and then he'd gone to school and done what he needed to do and become one. And I said, what was the hardest part of that training? And he said, the interview before the board. I found that interesting, because I thought running or something like that would have been. But he said, no. I said, what was the hardest part of that? And he said, you, you stood there, and behind, I think there were three or four men, behind them was a big clock with a second hand. And every time they asked you a question, the rule was you could not answer until one minute had ticked off. Even things such as, what is your name? You had to stand there. Of course, by around 52 seconds, you're wondering, am I really Patrick? Is that what, (laughs) is this a trick? And I said, why would they do that? And they said, he said, he talked to them later. And it was because they don't want anybody to be an officer. Who speaks before he thinks they wanted them to be able to to be trained think first i read nehemiah and i hear pray first have you ever heard somebody say we've done all we can do all we can do now is just pray Oof, you got that backwards let's start with the prayer and then see what happens nehemiah prays first by the way for some of you, this is as, as you're going, what's the point here? I mean, water's wet. We got that. People like me need to know it. Because I tend to sometimes act before I pray or plan before I, I don't know what he saw me doing, um, <laughs> or, uh, or spend before I pray or speak before I pray. I, I'm not a natural prayer. I Sometimes I have to be reminded to pray. Nehemiah reminds me that a man of God prays first. Then he moves. Well, there's more. His dream was God's dream. God wanted the walls to be rebuilt around Jerusalem. Is your dream God's dream? Or is it the dream of a particular group and a particular tradition? Or is it God's dream? God wanted Jerusalem to be made safe. Ladies, one of the reasons God made man as he did Is he wants things to be safe. Whereas some men are dangerous, let us note that the vast majority of dangerous men have been stopped by good men. Men have that in them. Guys, they don't really get us on this. Because women have the ability to think of many, many things at one time, they will often analyze while we're already moving. Let me give you an illustration. I'm aware this is sexist and stereotypical. This is true, however, in about three-quarters of homes. Husband and wife in a bed, a noise is outside. The wife will wake up first because her security is being threatened. She will listen to the noise for a particular amount of time. We have no idea why she will lay there and listen to it first. Then she will attempt to wake the husband. The word attempt there is important. When men are doing something, that's what they're doing. Uh, If we're watching television, we're not talking about family. This is what we're doing. If we're sleeping, that's what we're doing. Women are able to do many things that many, you know, when God made women, he'd he'd had practice. And so he made them a bit more complex. Uh, But when, when God made man, he made us for a particular job. So she wakes up the man. The man hears the noise, immediately leaps out of bed, grabs the Louisville Slugger from under the bed, and starts going down the hallway. And she'll say something like, "What are you doing? Get back in there!" <laughs> and he's completely lost at this point. You know, he's standing there in his BVDs with the bat, going, "Um, you woke me. I heard the noise. I'm going to go kill the noise." <laughs> she doesn't want you to do that. And now you're wondering, well, then why did you wake me? And all I can really say is that she wanted to share the moment. (laughs) And again, stereotypical, I understand. The point is this. Men, we are here to make things safe. And that means make things good. We're here to walk in and talk to our wives, not to say, leave me alone, I need to decompress, but rather to come home and say, how are you? What can I do for you? We're here to be frontline individuals, make it safe. So he gets help. He finds others. He builds community. We're not lone rangers in the church. He gets help, gets other people help. Chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, to help me rebuild these walls, build my community. I've had many people in my life come up to me and say, I have a dream to do this great thing for God, but I can't get anybody to help me. Well, we look at it really close and carefully. If you can't get the community to get behind it, it might not be from God. I know it's a hard thing. We need a community to work with us. Then prepare to get uncomfortable. He takes precautions to safeguard the work of God. The workers, and their families. He passes out swords. Remember, swords were the AR-15, M16, AK-47 of the day. Close, personal, harsh combat. But because the people needed to be safe, he armed guards and he put them out. And I know some people are very uncomfortable with that. They'll say, that seems awfully icky. Well, it is, unless somebody worse comes at you. Uh, I've lived in places where only the bad guys in the government had guns it's not safe it isn't you know I've lived in Breton which they say well we don't we don't allow them have guns you're an island people have boats they get them and it's a problem it's a real problem he arms the guards first when that proves to not be enough get more uncomfortable He requires every man to be armed at all times. And then, well, they are allowed to put their sword down when they go to the bathroom. There's a very weird phrase in there, hard to translate. That's what that means. You don't have to carry it when you go into the bathroom. By the way, you also are not required to carry your phones, men. The stories I could tell. Anyway, um, business deals that go on where they should not go on. Uh, but swords for everybody you have to carry them it's a requirement now again you may go oh I don't like that it's life it's rather like C.S. Lewis during the Second World War gave a talk to the pacifist society on why I am not a pacifist he said I'd love to be but this isn't heaven yet and I can't be even if you don't love yourself, you have to love the people behind you. And a man understands that. Now, notice that this is not an aggressive force at all. It's not a vigilante force. They're not allowed to go around seeking justice, they're not allowed to go strike anybody. It is absolutely 100% defend your family, defend those behind you. That's it. That's all it is. They were given those weapons for defensive purposes we have um we have to understand the power is even in the sword how are you going to use it for good or for ill we have here at our church a safety team and safety is what it's all about the first 15 things there basically make sure that the children don't get taken make sure that we don't have people upset the kids upset the worship and make sure if somebody has a heart attack or a medical emergency, they're taken care of. That's, that's their list of things they have to do. Some of you have seen them with little earpieces and You're wondering what's going on. Well, it's a big building. We have trauma bags. Somebody has a heart attack, we need to be able to say, get the bag, get it to here. And so it's, it's done like this. By the way, those people paid for their own radios because they love you. Now, if you're thinking, are they a vigilante force? Nope. Are they a police force? Nope. No, that's not it. Are some armed? I'm assuming a lot of you are. This is Tennessee. <laughs> what we do say is we're, we're not real thrilled with arms, but we understand their need. But if you've got to have them, would you please be very well trained and love people a whole lot? Love people a lot more than you love your guns. You know, no range Rambos allowed. It's an uneasy thing. I would love to be a pacifist. I really would. I, I know a lot of pacifists, and they are some of the sweetest people. They really are. But it's not heaven yet. And so, as we find the balance, you know, thank the police officers. Do some police officers go beyond the bounds? Yes. Most don't. Some preachers are awful. Then others? Well. <laughs> well, maybe we're awful too. I don't. But anyway my point is get uncomfortable but uh, if if those of you that are kind of on the right are feeling really good now you prepare to be uncomfortable because about what's to happen next he doesn't stop there people come to him and say we would like to help but we're hungry and we don't have a place to live anymore and he's saying why and he says well we 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 had to borrow money and the rich people are charging us so much interest and they're holding our debt and they're taking our stuff So he calls all the nobles together, all of the money people together. And in chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, he moves against social injustice. He says, You will cancel all debt now. All interest is done right now. You will let people live in their homes. Remember, Jesus talked about surety and coats and such? Give it back. And all the nobles said absolutely we'll do that sir and I've had people look at me and say wait a minute that was too easy why did they agree so quickly um he'd armed all the people see how that works that's why Switzerland has never had a dictator <clears throat> kind of hard to do if you don't know this every Swiss male is in the, is in the army unless they're handicapped or have, some, have a few other exceptions, and they store their fully automatic weapon at home. It's in the house. I'm not a big fan of that concept, by the way. Uh, I, well, maybe in an alcohol-free country, that would be all right, but I've been to Switzerland many times, and you'll see them riding on bicycles to work with a fully automatic on the back. Crime in Switzerland's very low. Invading armies have come to Switzerland, going ah, oh, we're going around. It's it's all social justice is actually part of this. So just when you thought God was a good Republican, now he turns out to be something else, and cancels debts and says don't charge interest and treat the poor with kindness. Here's the thing: God's not in the business of making us politically comfortable. We're supposed to do what He says. Our policies and our politics don't put him in a box. Then again, he thinks in chapter 5 and verse 7, I pondered in my heart, then I acted. He thought first, gentlemen, think, pray. He goes to all of the people, including the poor, in chapter 5, verses 9 through 13, and reminds them that all of them are to be people of loyalty. Because friends, you can have communities where it's the poor people that are running the show and always demanding. And he's saying, no, we are all compassionate, all loyal, all under the law. No one is excused because you're wealthy and nobody is excused because you're poor. All are amenable to the law of God and to the community. That's chapter five. Wow. What a, a completely different system this is. Well, he leads the way here though shows them in chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 he lays aside his rights privileges and honors the governors of the land had taxes and that paid them and then they would levy fees that would be more and other, and so you ended up to where the the ruling class was wealth, wealthy and powerful and everybody else wasn't sound familiar that's every human government done every human government but not his Nehemiah laid aside all of those rights he refused to accept money for his job he refused to be paid in food instead he paid his own workers he paid his own staff and he fed people out of his own pockets here's the thing it is so easy to be compassionate with other people's money and time but God has called us to be compassionate with ours That's harder Nehemiah leads the way here his funds had to be seriously depleted by this but he wouldn't even let his men take funds from anybody they all worked every day right alongside the people at the wall think of what our government would be any government would be I'm not knocking this administration I'm saying any government what it would be like if they worked alongside us And they saw what we did every day. Didn't just visit it for a photo op. I always find it amazing. People, you know, a vice president will be in a helicopter and fly over a flooded place and he'll make a frowny face at it for the camera and everybody feels better. And I'm going, no, get in a boat. Go feed somebody. Get them off the roof. That's what Nehemiah would have done. And then, gotta love him for this. In chapter 6, he wasn't afraid to say no to dangerous distractions and protocols. One of the first things I told the staff when I arrived here is no is a spiritual word. You're allowed to say no. And in fact, it's a complete sentence. You don't always have to defend it. Just say no. And I've done that recently with people saying, I challenge you to a debate. No. No i 'll challenge you to who can outlove the other person i'm going to win because i'm not going to let you outlove me let's go, but no for the others no i don't have time for that I, don't, I I just don't have time for the other stuff when the enemies came to him and said, "You need to sit down and talk to us so that we can work all of this out he said no i 'm building a wall. Well, we want to understand more about what you're doing and and I can hear people today saying, well, it'd be so nice. Real quick thing to remember don't try to out Christian Jesus. Don't try to be nicer than God. There are times you have to say no. And then, one of my favorite lines in chapter 6, verses 10 through 13 do we have that passage up, or did I ask you for that one? Uh, he didn't run they came to him and they, uh, his friends came to him and said, your enemies are massing and they're coming to get you. Run away so that you can survive. And his phrase was, will a man like me run? We don't run. Fear's not an option. I mean, that was a John Wayne movement. Will a man like me run? Run but the real nature of his heroism I've never heard a sermon on. It's in chapter 13. He'd rebuilt the walls. He'd done it. He'd made all this progress, went home, and years later hears that the walls are in disrepair. The people have forgotten all of the lessons. And instead of going, I, I gave my life and my fortune and my sacred honor, to borrow a phrase from American history, to all of this and I wasted it? No. He merely gets up and went back and did it again. No complaints. There are no records of a complaint. Cleared out the house of God, fed the servants of God who had been neglected, got the ties going together, called the people to remember the Sabbath, called upon fathers to make sure their children only married in the faith, and all he asked for in return from God is in chapter 13, 31b, The last part of that, remember me with favor, my God. Just hope I made God smile today. That's all I wanted. What would it be like to live every day wishing and hoping and planning and working so that you were the answer to God's prayer that day? What God wanted. That he would smile at the end of the day and go, well done. Like that that was good how would that change the trajectory of your day of your life I'm amazed by Nehemiah he was a man who did not demand from others anything that he was not already doing and more he did not think of himself so highly as to feed off of others but rather he fed them he spent from his own pocket worked with his own hands cared for the safety of others refused to send by being afraid and treated everybody with fairness. He was a model man. I want to be like him. That's what I'm working on. Remember the quotation I had put up at the first of the lesson? Let my heart be broken with the things that break the hearts of God. I've had people say, well, that's St. Francis, isn't it? No. Well, is that St. Teresa of Avila? No. It's Robert Pierce. He was a missionary in China. And he'd been preaching jesus come to jesus come out of your your religion into jesus a woman brought to him a young girl who had been severely beaten and kicked out of the house by her parents and the woman said this girl heard you preach and she gave her life to jesus and this is what happened to her what are you going to do for her all he had in his possessions was the equivalent of five dollars, and he pulled it out and he gave it to the girl, and he said, "I will give you everything you need every month for the rest of your life." And he wrote in the flyleaf of his Bible, "May my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God." Robert Pierce would go on to found World Vision and later Samaritan's Purse, two of the greatest, most effective Christian organizations in the world because he wanted to be Nehemiah he wanted to be God's man for that girl we can do this church we can be a shining light on a hill a shining city rather on a hill shining light in the darkness we can be salt in this world I'm going to ask would you come on up Let's close this down and for the rest of us would we stand please? And I want to close with Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. I'm going to read it and then we're going to go back and do it again. Everybody. He has shown you O mortal what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let's go back. Let's read it together. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. May our words become our life.